0: It was in that rough conversation that I felt just the weight of the world lift off my shoulders a little bit. And in that moment, we as a couple enrolled in a financial literacy program together.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another amazing episode of For the Love of Money. I cannot wait for you to hear today's episode because I'm sitting down with a very good friend and one of my one-on-one, very elite coaching clients, Kyle Depius. Now, here's why I'm excited, though. Not just because I think so highly of this individual because he's crushing it in life and in business, but more importantly, because he paid off $400,000 in debt in about 38 months. And it wasn't as easy as like, oh, I'm going to go on a budget and I'm finally going to clean up this mess. No, he had to first tell his wife that they were in that situation. And so Kyle actually in this episode shares very actionable steps on how to have any kind of tough conversation with your significant other, especially around finances. He talks about the different steps he took in order to pay off debt. So if any of you are in debt, you can Just follow the steps that Kyle gives you in this episode and already start to right the ship. And we go on to talk about how this world really forces everyone, but especially men, into operating from ego and making these pre-programmed decisions around debt and how damaging it is and how to take control of that, start making better decisions, not from ego, but from ones where we shed ego. And he actually gives a couple of examples in there where he had to really shed some ego in order to make some really tough decisions to put himself in the financial position that he is today. Now, listen, he has already done all the work it takes to become a certified financial planner. He just has chosen not to be an active um, licensee practicing it because instead he would rather be out there with his podcast talking about how to make your life better financially and also as a man. He's been a high school teacher where he taught economics and finances. So what I love is we're getting someone who's not only taught in the classroom, this subject matter, but has also had to teach himself this subject matter and actually walk the walk when he found himself in a really tough position. So you're going to end up in this, at the end of this episode, just absolutely inspired and feeling like you can pay off any debt you have. You can face any financial situation you have, and you're going to be motivated to take action. And by the way, I mentioned earlier that he is one of my one-on-one elite coaching clients. I only take a couple at any one given time. If you've got a business and you make more than a half a million dollars a year, and you want my very hands-on guidance... Literally just you and me changing and moving forward everything in your business, go check out the application for love forward slash coaching. Again, for the loveofmoney.com forward slash coaching. Check it out. Fill out the app if you want to work privately and personally with me the way Kyle does. All right, get ready. Cause if you are in any kind of debt or if you are in any kind of rough financial situation and you want to believe that there's light at the end of the tunnel and it's not as bad as you think, this is the episode that's going to prove it. Here we go. All right, Kyle, my man, thanks for being on the show. How are you? I'm good, Chris. I'm excited, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, dude, seriously, my pleasure. First of all, huge fan, huge friend. Like Mm. the fact that I get to share you with my listeners, I know that they're going to end up uh, on the other side of this thing, just absolutely more uh, confident and more brilliant around their money than ever. So listen, I want to kick this thing off with rapid fire. It's a fun way to help my listeners get to know you in a hurry. And then if something really good comes up, we'll circle back around and do a deep dive on it. You in?
0: Okay. That sounds good. Let's go. All right. Going to go real easy. Uh, okay. Where'd you grow up? Random Lake, Wisconsin. Ah, fellow Scotty. Where do you live yep. now? I'm in the Minneapolis area, specifically Eden Prairie. All right. This is funny. It's like you're following my uh, life path in terms of
1: where where to live.
0: Okay. Favorite quote. <laughs> I think my favorite quote is, though not everything we face can be changed, nothing can be changed until we face it. Oh, dang, that's good. And the first time I've heard that, that's really good. What's your superpowers? I would say it's discernment, Chris. I think I have a really unique ability to kind of feel out the energy of a space and feel the energy of people and really kind of discern what's going on. Oh, God, that is like one of the all-time superpowers because that's how you make some good decisions then going forward. Yep.
1: What's one of your yeah. favorite
0: books? I love the book A Million Miles in a Thousand Years by Donald Miller, the same guy who does StoryBrand. Wait, is that his newest book? It's, it was before StoryBrand, so it's a little bit older. Should I read it? I haven't heard of it. I love it. In essence, uh, what it is, is it encourages the reader to live a life that is interesting. And the cool part is we all define interesting differently, but it just invites you into a more interesting life. It's really, really good. I'm making it my next read. It literally yeah. like something I'm craving. A
1: bit more here. What's one of your all-time
0: favorite accomplishments? Mm. Oh, my! we'll probably get into it. My wife and I paid off our mortgage in a really short period of time. And we, I mean, we had to do that together. It was not a single person doing it. We both worked together. So I would say that one for sure. That's cool. I can't wait to get into that part.
1: What's something you're challenged by right now?
0: Mm, we have a three-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> end of story. End of, end of answer. <laughs> I, I could probably stop there. Everything that comes with a three-year-old and my wife is working from home, I'm working from home as we, as we sit here today. Schools are closed. So I, that's the biggest thing we're challenged by right now.
1: Yeah. You and a million other
0: people. <laughs> I should say you and about 100 million other people. Yeah. A couple more here. What's something generous you've done recently? Uh, I, you know i just launched um a podcast just a few months ago and in partnership in doing that i had a goal where i reached that goal in terms of ratings and reviews i'd make some donations and and through that and through the community of that podcast and the listeners and their generosity we were able to build eight homes in malawi which is in africa and we were able to provide 2500 meals. And during that time, when I launched, I launched on March 16th, which is pretty much the day that everyone uh, locked wow. down. So schools were closed and a lot of schools, uh, or sorry, a lot of children rely on schools for food. So we were happy to be able to provide 2,500 meals during a time when kids nearly needed it. Man, I love it. We're definitely talking about that. And last but not least, what are you grateful for today? I'm grateful for my family and the health of our family, but to to keep it relevant and to stay present in the moment, Chris, I'm just really excited and grateful for you and your podcast and your platform and, and your friendship and to be able to spend time here with you right now.
1: Uh, likewise, my friend. Okay. So listen, here's what I really want to start to sing. I mean, you alluded to it earlier, but you didn't really share the punchline. I mean, yeah. dude, you paid off almost 400 grand of debt in like three years. What was it? Was it 380,038 months? Is that yeah, what it, it was?
0: Just under three hundred and eighty thousand, and it was in thirty eight months, yep you're right oh
1: my God. so ten grand a month, okay, so we have to start there, yeah first of all, how in the world did you get into that amount of debt
0: uh, I, I mean I think like anyone, it's really easy to wander into debt, right, so if I look at the start of this story, chris, we've got to go back you know so far, go back to the the, the great recession so almost twelve years ago and It's so long ago, but, you know, we're sitting here in this time right now of uncertainty and likely a recession again, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm stepping into this now in just a place of being completely debt-free, being liquid enough to take advantage of opportunities. And I'm most proud. I mean, all that is good, but I'm most proud, Chris, that I'm stepping into it as the dad and the husband that can confidently lead my family through a tough and uncertain time. And, you know, I'm proud of that because as I had said, the last great recession 12 years ago, I went through that one um, in the exact opposite place, Chris. Yeah. You know, during that recession, I was operating from a place of being totally financially uneducated, a place of ego, and a place You'd of wanting. Both, by the way, you <laughs> right? And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, I'm just trying to hit a, a financial home run. I'm just trying to get lucky. Mm-hmm. Like maybe the the listener can relate to that. And all of that caught up with me at the end of that recession when I cashed out my 401k. Yes, I paid all the penalties, all the fees. And everyone knows that that's, that's the big no-no, right? Personal finance. And I did it be, and I bought gold because I was listening to all the people that were pro, you know, trying to build up gold, these doomsdayers that were doing propaganda to buy gold. And I bought it at the peak, something around $2,000 oh, an no. ounce. they <laughs> oh, not so, I mean, like
1: 1,500 or 1,600 an ounce today?
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh. And it was worse. Yeah, so... I mean, you can imagine right from there, the price of gold just absolutely tanked. And along, right along with that was my financial dreams. That was really the straw that broke the camel's back.
1: Dang. Okay. So I just really want to paint this picture. Yeah. Um, you had that mentality. I think a lot of us do in the beginning before we truly get financially educated, that there was going to be some big move, mm. some, some home run, I think is the word you used, in order to set you up for the future. And that's what you were doing. You're just swinging for the fence.
0: Yeah. 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 So it comes from, why, why do we act that way in the beginning? You know, I think it's because we, we have to have humility. I think to say, man, what I've done has gotten me to where I am right now. And in order for me to do something different, I've got to do something different. You know, and for me, Chris, there was a turning point. And, you know, fast forward a couple of years after the Great Recession, I'm, again, I'm struggling financially. I still haven't learned my lesson. Here's what I did. I think this is really important. I really want the listener to catch this. I logged on to the social security website, which is just ssa.gov. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to log on to see, okay, how much can I get in social security? How much can my wife get? I'm trying to put together some sort of financial plan. Remember again, here I'm financially destitute. Mm-hmm. I'm scared. I'm wondering how am I ever going to retire? And again, I don't know if a listener has ever done this, but try to log on and they will give you your lifetime earnings. So I looked at my lifetime earnings. I looked at my wife's lifetime earnings and that's when it hit me, Chris. We had made well over $2 million. no. Well over two million dollars, and I had nothing to th- nothing to show for it. Again, as a matter of fact, as, as you know now, that I had over four hundred thousand dollars in debt, right around four hundred thousand oh. dollars. Where did it all go? I mean, maybe that's a question you've asked yourself. Maybe the listener has asked them themselves this I have question. Asked myself that, totally. Yeah. And you know, at this point, I'm thinking, okay, I'm not yet a father, but this is the lowest point in my life as a husband. And an aspiring father. This is not how I thought I'd lead my wife and lead my family. I've never thought I've you know I've never really felt less valuable than I felt in that moment. And that really was a turning point. I mean, I didn't stop there, but that's a turning point. To answer your question, I think you've got to come to this realization and hit this turning point. Um, And for us, that was okay. We're capable of making two million dollars, right? We've got nothing to show for it. However. I've got the skills in order to learn new things and help us save our financial future.
1: So, yeah, so that the realization was, wow, did I waste all this? And it doesn't have to be this way going forward, like time Mm -hmm. to take some action.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you're probably wondering, okay, what did I do? Right. How how did, how did we, how did we get from there to, to where we are? But I I was literally gonna say, like, when did you tell your wife or did she know this? Yeah. Well, what we had to do, and before the listener hears that and i don 't you know i don 't know the position each listener is in, but you know i don 't want them to count themselves out right because I you know again, remember from this point i 'm starting well below zero. The average household salary in America I think is around seventy thousand mm-hmm. dollars so if you take seventy thousand dollars average per year for fifteen years you 're going to eclipse a million dollars, yeah so if you haven 't got there yet there 's a really good chance that you will so The first thing that I did is, and this was tough, uh, but I faced the music and I finally got honest with my wife and I sat her down and I said, you know, and and probably again, if you're listening, how many of you know you've got a conversation that you've been avoiding, a tough Mm -hmm. conversation. But it was in that rough conversation that I felt just the weight of the world lift off my shoulders a little bit. And in that moment, we as a couple, Enrolled in a financial literacy program together.
1: Oh wait, I just I don't I don't want to just like gloss over it like, oh yeah, I broke the news to her and she's like, Great, let's enroll in a program. What did you say? Like what was the opening line? Hey, babe, we're four hundred thousand yeah. dollars in debt. Or yeah. was she aware of it or what?
0: Yeah, so it, it kind of looks like this, Chris, and this is a really good maybe kind of communication framework for anyone who has to have a a conversation like this. So for me, it kind of looked like this. It was like, babe, you know, I I messed up. I was doing a lot of the finances at that time without much much of her involvement. That was my mistake. But I said, babe, I messed up. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fine, but I haven't taken care of the finances quite like I had hoped to. And I want to let you know where we are. And I want to ask you to help me manage this together going forward. And that might mean that we have to go to an outside source for advice or strategy. So it's a three-part framework, Chris. It's, it's radical candor, right? Mm-hmm. Be honest, fall on the sword, rip the bandaid off, whatever you want to mm-hmm. say. But that's number one. Number two is partnership. You have to work together, enroll in a vision together. And then number three is take action. And again, that might look like outside advice or outside counseling or programs or whatever that might be.
1: Dude, that's genius. So we just ended the show right here. That conversation around how to break financial news to your significant other, Mm -hmm. if you're not in a position where you want to be, that right there is worth its weight in gold. Okay. So, oh, wait, no pun intended. I literally didn't mean to bring up worth its (laughs) weight in gold. That didn't work out well for you last time. (laughs) All right. So what, what did step one look like? You said you reached out for help to somebody?
0: Yeah. So, so that was, that's kind of step one, but then we, we then, I mean, I spent the next several years just pouring into learning personal finance, pouring into how do I work with my wife together on this? So I spent years learning that and I've really kind of distilled it down to really four lessons. And I, you know, I love, I love to share those lessons with you and the listener, if you'd yeah, like me to please, jump into it. Okay. Please. So lesson number one, And this is so important right now as we go through such uncertain times. But lesson number one is I do not control the circumstances, but I do control the outcome. Oh, we totally agree on that. Okay, keep going. Yeah. So again, I learned that I don't control circumstances, I control the outcome. The outcome really is just the sum of my decisions combined with the circumstances that I've been given.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Number two, number two is it's a team effort. So again, you see that the The pride that was in me, the ego that was in me was saying, okay, I'm going to run this family. Everything's going to be great. I'm going to take care of finances. We're going to be okay. Obviously, as I pointed out very clearly here, I did not do a very good job of doing that. So the piece that was missing is it's a team effort. Everyone needs to be responsible for the household finances. So if you're listening, you might be thinking, but wait, Kyle, one person's probably more naturally inclined to do the numbers, to do the budgeting, to pay the bills. I think that's totally okay. I'm definitely the one in this marriage that likes to do that. However, this is, this is the important part. All parties must always be caught up and fully aware of the financial picture in comparison to your joint goals.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. There's no sticking your head in the sand and then being right. mad. Yep. So then, number three, the third lesson that I learned that I like to teach is rethink. Everything. Question everything. Rethink what your future looks like. Rethink all the things that you can do. As a matter of fact, Chris, and you know this because you know my story, I stayed home. I put my professional career on pause to be a stay at home dad because we knew that it would allow my wife, Lois, to go and just explode and crush it in her career. This is a tough move for both of us, but especially for me as a man with an ego. Yeah, because you're probably attached to being the provider. Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, as you can imagine, Chris, when you go to a social event or gathering and you're meeting people for the first time, you know what question is usually the first question. And they're going to ask you, what do you do? What do you do for work? Yep. So that was something that was the ego that I had to swallow and and be redefining what providing for my family looked like during that season of time.
1: Kyle, I don't want to interrupt your flow, but... Um... Did did you decide this at the beginning of paying off the debt or after it was paid off?
0: We decided in the middle of paying off our wow. debts. So we people went,
1: who would think that's counterintuitive.
0: Yes. So we went from two incomes to one. But again, here's the point on this lesson number three is that be willing to maybe take a step or two backward in order to get a running start. And for us, that looked like going from two incomes to one because we knew them that that my wife would explode in her career mm-hmm. and we were able to do that. So that that is that is step number three. And again, I challenge the listener, what might that look like? What are you resisting that would feel like maybe you're taking a step back?
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is such a good example because you know, traditional mindset, especially when you're scared and trying to pay off debt or something, would say two incomes is better than one. Mm-hmm. And then add to that the ego of the man wanting to be the provider in many cases and having that dreaded question, what do you do? You're like, Oh, I stay home with my kid. Yeah. And again, not there's anything wrong with that. It's just what society tells you might be a shameful answer. Right. Yeah. And you said, screw society, screw traditional thinking. I'm actually going to come home because I know that
0: Lois would be able to just crush it in her business if I gave her that support. Yeah.
1: And, did, and it, did her income
0: skyrocket as a result? Oh, we, she almost doubled her income throughout this process as a result. Wow. And it was because I'm taking things off her plate, allowing her to explode. And we knew that this was just for a season of time. Most people get into this like, well, if I do that, like that's the rest of my career. No, we knew it was just for a season of time. Yeah. And the beauty is I've gotten so, so many seeds into my son. We've got such a wonderful relationship. So yeah, that, that was, it was take a step back and, Uh, in order to get a running start. I love that. Okay, I pulled you off track. What was uh, step four? Yeah. So number four, and I think, Chris, that this is probably the most important, Um, but you can't really fast forward and and go to this one right away. You've got to learn lesson one, two, and three. So lesson number four here, step four is reset your sights on a big, audacious goal. Because... After all, I mean, what it, what what is all the work for, right? If you don't have an extraordinary goal to live an extraordinary life and you have to remember that we are often going to get whatever it is that we aim for. Yeah. And the biggest danger is stopping at lesson number three and making a highly reduced lifestyle the new norm.
1: Right, because if you stop at number three, it's like cutting back, cutting back, cutting back, and that becomes a habit or a way of being. Yeah, it's scarcity. That's why number four is so important, you're saying. Like, this doesn't mean you stop having big audacious goals. Yeah. This just means that we're taking a couple steps back to get a running start.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you don't want to be stuck in scarcity. And when things get tough and you question and you challenge, why am I doing this? This is your why. This is the vision that is, you, is pulling you into and you need to really spend some time dreaming and setting down that big goal.
1: Cal, this is so good, man. Okay. So you did those four things. Uh, including the hard part, breaking the the news to your wife. I mean, there's a lot of hard parts in there, actually, if people really paid attention to this story. Uh, A lot of opposite behaviors of what most men are doing. We know the end result. You paid off $380,000 in 38 months. Mm -hmm. What was the hardest moment or the hardest part in that 38 Mm. months? When did it almost backfire or when were you like, screw this?
0: Yeah, it was Would I would allow my ego to get in the way is for sure. And I I think a lot of men will struggle with that because we draw our identity with our work. And whenever, like I said, whenever we would go out to a social setting, I had to sit there and wrestle with my ego versus being humble and and going back to this is our big goal. And we knew that it was just for a season of time. So I kind of take that, Chris, and I say, all right, I'm going to make it my mission from here on out, to save as many men as I, as I possibly can from going down this path that I was headed, right? It's such an easy path for us to accidentally go down. As a matter of fact, you know, if I can be bold here, society almost pushes men down that path of ego and poor decision-making it does. Instead, instead of teaching us these yep. four things of family leadership that brought me to where I am today. So... If I can just put like a wrapper on this story, Chris, this is, this is the, the most important thing that I want to point out. And again, you know, during this time, the most important thing that I learned is that, okay, I don't have to sacrifice my personal balance sheet for my professional balance sheet. Quite honestly, Chris, I had been focusing on the wrong things because it didn't matter if I was a success at work, if I was failing at home. Oh my
1: God, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. And that's what allowed you to finally say, okay, I'm coming home. I'm supporting you. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do this the right way because I know that you have that exponential value of, of earning possibility. This is yep. so good. Okay. Now we know that today you've turned into a, a wildly secure individual financially. You mm-hmm. you not only live debt free, but we're talking like mortgage free and, mm-hmm. and the whole nine yards. My question is, Sometimes people say there's good debt and bad debt. Sometimes people say, "Well, pay off all your credit cards, but a mortgage is okay because you can write off the interest and stuff. What's your take on this? Should we be mm-hmm. going for totally debt free or just like unsecured, irresponsible debt- free?
0: I think for sure, get rid of consumer debt and get rid of it fast but i I would say, Chris, that you know if if anything right now, as we're going through this time of unprecedented unemployment, Mm -hmm. you've got to have, you call it emergency fund, rainy day fund, whatever Mm -hmm. you want to call it, you have got to have something. You cannot get by with just a thousand or $2,000. I would aim for several months of a runway. I think you call it a runway. I call it an emergency fund. Yeah. But you have, you have got to have at least three months. I'd prefer more like six months. Get, yeah. get that first and then start attacking and chewing away at your consumer debt. And then you can kind of recast another vision and say, how aggressively do we want to pay off a mortgage?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you this. A lot of people struggle with I can't let all this high interest debt sit out there while I'm saving up an emergency fund. It's just running out of control. Mm. But you're saying, no, put all your money towards building this three to six months runway, emergency fund first, while the debt sits there and then go tackle it. Am I hearing that right?
0: Yeah, and and I I understand it. I understand that there's there's high interest that you're concerned about. But what happens if you lose your job? I think we've learned that way. Yeah. I, you know, I don't know how many millions of Americans have lost their job just like that. Yep. And when over we, forty million in like eleven yeah. weeks. And when you sit with a little bit of a runway, I'll tell you, just the weight comes off your shoulders, and you feel. So much more confident. You feel like you are more prepared. And for us, we just said, you know what? We've got rid of consumer debt. Let's just knock off our mortgage really fast. And now here we are. I mean, imagine running a marathon with a weighted vest and you're holding two forty-pound dumbbells. And now imagine taking that off. That's yeah. how it feels for us. And we can give as we feel uh, led to give. And we like to give a lot. We like to be really generous. We can jump on investment opportunities um, and we're handling this recession, this uncertainty in just a completely different space. So I don't know that I would sell everyone to go and pay your mortgage off ASAP as quickly as we do. But if you feel convicted that you wanna live debt-free and you don't wanna have that stress and be nimble, go for it. Let me ask you, um,
1: were you on like the, the beans and rice plan where you cut everything out of your life and suffered until it was paid off? Or did you find a
0: responsible, happy medium? I will, I'll tell you that we started on an extreme tight budget, but that is not sustainable. No, it's so not. We, it? it's, like, it's like saying, I'm going to lose this 50 pounds by just sprinting <sighs> on a treadmill until it's gone. Yeah. I, so you can do that and we did it, but I'll, I'll warn you of the danger that you're going to develop a scarcity mindset. You mm-hmm. might even run through that period of, of time with resentment and you'll be cynical and you, you might just be unhappy. So I'd be careful with it. I would, I'd find the responsible medium where you're not outlandishly spending, but you're not living off of <laughs> beans and rice. Every where, do, night. where
1: do you draw that line? Like, how do you, quantify that. So what if you're like, well, I'm on this big debt payoff plan, but
0: I want to go out for this anniversary dinner and
1: I know it's going to be a few hundred bucks. Like where do you draw that line?
0: Plan on it. And so, I mean, you know, you've got an anniversary coming up. There is nothing, I, I believe in living within a budget. Some people are like, oh man, budget, it's, it's too constricting. For us, it's permission to spend. Yeah. So when you step into... I, like I know, perspective switch. Yeah, it, it's just to reframe it, just reframe and then just put something into the budget. So you have your anniversary coming up in in the next month, put some money into the budget, then you don't feel guilty about doing it. But that kind of goes back to, you know, if you're, you know, my lesson number two, which is teamwork mm-hmm. work together, talk through it, and plan on it. We like to do once a month kind of uh, dates as we look at finance then and we cast the visions and we look at our goals in the next month. So just talk about it. I think that's all it is. And you've got permission to spend. I talk about that all the time. You must have these dates
1: with your significant other to give a, I call it a state of the union around your finances so that no one's allowed to put their head in the sand. Totally agree. Mm -hmm. So good. Okay. Wow. I'm loving this. Could talk about it forever. Um, You're helping people with this now. You've got a program, you call it 99 Days to Money Momentum. What's that all about? And Like who should join
0: it? Yeah, so I basically took everything that I learned through this course of paying off debt Mm -hmm. and we did things the wrong way. And then we learned some things and I just kind of view it as I can shortcut someone's process to paying off debt, living with more abundance, changing your financial mindset and creating more freedom. Because a lot of times, as you mentioned, there's a lot of financial programs out there and I'm sure a lot of them work. And quite honestly, you can just Google how to pay off debt. Mm-hmm. But you've got to have accountability. So I'm, ha- I'm kind of locking arms with a small group of people to walk through over the period of 99 days, everything that I learned. Paying, yes, paying off debt is one component, mm-hmm. but it's really accountability. Putting down tracks and a plan, helping you develop a goal, working with a significant other or spouse. And uh, we just lock arms together for you know, a little bit over three months and we do a zoom every other week and I teach you everything I know. And you could say that that cost me almost $400,000 to yeah, learn, but yeah, it's literally. much cheaper than that. Literally, for a, yeah.
1: Dude, That's amazing. Okay. Um, so someone with just 20 grand in credit card debt, someone with a hundred thousand dollars in student loans, somebody mm-hmm. with a half a million dollars cause things got crazy or a business failed. Like, are, is it everyone or is it just one
0: of those Yeah. People? I think it's, I think, first and foremost, I'm looking for someone who is ready for a transformation in their personal finances. That person might have 20,000 in debt. they might have more like, what we had almost 400,000 dollars yeah. in debt. but I want someone who is ready to say, "You know what? What I've done so far hasn't worked, and I'm ready to make a change, and I want to be guided through someone who's been there, done that, and understands me and will help me develop a tailored plan for me.
1: That accountability piece you spoke about when it comes to our finances, whenever we're trying to make a change is huge. It's like an alcoholic that has no meeting to go check in at. They're yep. probably not going to be successful, right? Because they can mm-hmm. just sit in their apartment and drink and think nobody's looking. It's the same thing with your finances. Mm-hmm. It's an addiction to spend. It's an addiction to let ego control decisions. It's an addiction to you know, do whatever it is that got you there. And yep. it takes accountability, but also like in a safe way, in a safe space, Yep. to be able to make you form these new habits.
0: Yeah, it's like we hire personal trainers, right? You're like, I have to go to the gym because I said I was going to go to the gym and my trainer is going to be there. Yeah, And call. it's the same thing. I'm, God, I just
1: realized something else we said that. It's not just about showing up. It's part partly that. When I actually go work out with my trainer, I work out way harder because yeah. he's spotting me. That would be like you giving the information kind of. Yep. Um, he's just the energy exchange between the two of us picks up my energy just the fact that i know he's going to make me do things i don't want to do like mm-hmm. leg day <laughs> those are all almost analogies for the same kind of you know assistance on getting your
0: finances turned around yeah yeah you're totally and it's it's information you learn new things you get educated and it's all the things that you had just mentioned yeah you're spot on it's like a personal people, trainer for your finances
1: people i don't think they people realize you have your series what
0: yeah. I, so I have my, I have my financial advising license. I don't practice. I'm not a practitioner, but I did all this, the months worth of studying for the, uh, the seven and the 66. So I've got, yeah. I have all the knowledge, um, and I can, I can help people. Um, but I just don't practice that through a broker a broker dealer. Yeah. Yeah. I,
1: well, I hear you because they're just selling their own products. Anyways, if we're really being honest, mm-hmm. sorry if I offended anybody out there. Okay. So where can people find 99 days to money momentum?
0: Yeah. Uh, you can... If you find me on Instagram, I will send it to you. But I have a, a website for it, which is just 99moneymomentum.com. So pretty simple. Is it the number 99? The number
1: 99. 99moneymomentum.com. Okay. We'll make sure yep. we put that in the show notes. Super cool. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. You keep mentioning giving. And one of the reasons that you and I have formed such a good friendship is that you and I are both passionate about mm-hmm. giving. And you said... Uh, during your your podcast launch at the beginning of COVID, you were able to build homes and provide meals. Mm-hmm. Talk to us
0: about this. Why is
1: this important to
0: you? Well, you know, it, it was kind of a kind of a goal and something that was put on my heart because the the houses that we were able to build in Malawi were for orphan moms. Uh, sorry, orphan kids and, and widowed moms. And it was a very poverty-stricken area. And when Chris, when we brought our son home in March of 2017, and then shortly thereafter, I stayed home with our son Cal Callahan. And when I'm holding him, and uh, and if I get emotional, this is why. But if I'm holding him, I just thought to myself, "What about all the kids that that don't have dads that are involved like this?" And it just it would it would just rip away at my heart. And being a high school business teacher for a period of time, theres it's not always the case, but there seems to be this correlation. This is just my observation. I can't back it up with stats, but there was this correlation with kids that would struggle academically and behaviorally. The common denominator a lot of times was their dad was not involved in their life. And so I, just, I knew that there's something that I have to do in this space and I'm really drawn to it. And it's the fatherless. And this was one way that I knew that I could immediately help and I could immediately make an impact. Mm-hmm. And so I just set a goal. I invited people into that goal through that podcast launch and, and we were able to, to just make an impact. And, and that was, it's, it's big on my heart and I'm going to continue to work in that space. But that, that was the most important, well, that was the reason is because I was able to bring home our son and spend so much time with him. That's so cool. I love it.
1: Do you have a favorite moment of giving? Was that your favorite moment or has there been a different one? One Oh, there's
0: a different one. I love this one, Chris. So back when I was a teacher, I was a personal finance teacher. I was actually teaching Dave Ramsey's curriculum in high school. Ah, that's cool. I always say schools need that. They do, they need more of it. It was required at our high school. A lot of schools don't make it required. That's the kicker. So this was required. And when my, when I was working uh, as a teacher, I said to my wife, I was like, Lois, I was like, I want to offer a scholarship and I want to do an anonymous personal finance scholarship. So we did it. It was anonymous. I've never told the story. So if my, any of my I students or people listen, they're going to find out. So we gave away um, a several thousand dollars scholarship for someone in th- that class, that graduating class that I left in. And Chris, it's a small community. It like 35 graduating students. Wow. Two people filled out the application only. What? And again, this was several thousand dollars scholarship. So it was yeah. anonymous. No one knew. Two people filled it out. Why so little? I have no idea. I have no idea. So we ended up giving the scholarship to both of them that filled it out. And it was just the, the most incredible thing because one of the students has already graduated from tech school completely debt-free. The other student oh, cool. just graduated from a four-year university in three years and she has a small amount of student loans. She almost did it debt-free. And that was my, that I love that story. I've never got a chance to tell it. So you're hearing it here first, but that, that is, was it. So cool,
1: I love that. And now they're hearing that, you know, the recipients are probably hearing that as well. That's so, and, and all your yeah. students. Yeah. So let's almost tie this full circle. Yeah. You're big on giving mm-hmm. and you're big on paying off debt you're wildly smart about both. Are you supposed to do both at the same time
0: or wait until you're out of debt to give? I'll tell you what we did. So we were giving the entire time. We give 10% of our income immediately, no matter what, no questions asked. Mm -hmm. And when we became debt-free, we give more than 10% now. -hmm. So um, I, I think you have to ask, like, how were you convicted? How were you led? We were convicted to give the entire time, and we will always, always do that. We just give more now. So one of the reasons why I say, hey, be debt-free, if nothing else, you can give more and you can be more generous and the world absolutely needs that. Especially as we look around right now, Chris, of all the needs, the world needs it. And now that we're debt-free, we aren't thinking about, yeah, but we could use that money to, to pay off our credit yeah. card. You know what I mean? So I, I don't, you know, we did it the entire time we were getting out of debt and now we just give more. That's so cool. I love that. That's I agree with you. I see eye to eye with you on that. If you don't
1: practice and build that giving muscle early, then yeah. once you quote, get there, you're not going to do it once you get there either. Yeah. It yep. really is an all the time thing. Yes. I love that you said you increased your giving percentage once you got out of debt instead of yeah. just leaving it the same. Yeah. That's really cool, man. I love it. Mm. All right. So talk to let's start to put a bow on this thing. Okay. Talk to the person that just listened to this episode. And they're like, all right, guy sounds cool. Uh, got out of debt um, is a giver, but he 's different than me. It sounds like his wife had a really good job or her income doubled, or you know he paid off three hundred and eighty thousand dollars in thirty eight months that 's ten grand a month i don 't even make ten grand a month. Talk to this person
0: who 's still sabotaging some of their own thoughts mm. well I, the first thing is you can 't you cannot compare numbers to numbers. You could maybe look at ratios, but don 't look at our numbers and compare yourself to because you may not Have the same salary, but you might not have almost four hundred thousand dollars in debt either. Yeah. But what you can look at is okay. How can I take the lessons learned from his story and apply it to my story? and start to tackle my situation as well. Don't compare the numbers. Maybe compare the reason why you're doing it and look at, okay, what's my big audacious goal? Mm -hmm. How can my spouse, if you're married, how can my spouse and I work together on this? Mm -hmm. And how can we have a plan to get through our debt and change our financial future as well? But don't compare the numbers to each other. That's Because that'll just give you an excuse not to do it. Yep, I love that, man. I love that. That's such good insight. All right, where can we follow you? The best way, I'm most active on Instagram, which is just Kyle underscore Depius, And no one can say my last name correctly, so I'm I'm not offended if you try and don't get it.
1: We'll put a link, but we'll also spell it Yeah. Let's see. Okay. Yeah. Better yet, where remind us one more time where we can find the 99 days to money momentum.
0: Yeah. The website is just 99 moneymomentum.com. So the number 99 moneymomentum.com. And that's also in my Instagram bio. You can find it there too. Okay.
1: Normally, at this point, I have one last question. I have two last questions for you. Okay. The second to last question is this we talked a lot about ego <laughs> and that holding people back from hitting their financial dreams, paying off that you know, uh, making more money, all those things. And you also mentioned, I didn't want this to go without touching on it, that society almost trains us, especially men to operate from this place of ego. And we end up sacrificing our, well, I call it balance. I think you call it work-life rhythm. Mm-hmm. And you really made it your mission to make sure that men don't fall victim to this anymore. Mm-hmm. How can you help men that feel like their work-life balance or their work-life rhythm is out of whack they're Mm -hmm. making decisions from ego but they they don't know how to not make decisions out of ego and really give them their life back because I know you know back years ago when I was in this position it's not a place of happiness
0: yeah oh this I am so excited to talk about this so I do this through creating amazing experiences for like-minded men to connect that's a safe space And we do some just incredible, incredible things. So if I can share really quick, it's not 100% finalized, but I want to share it with your listeners in case they're they're really interested in. I like to golf. I'm not a great golfer, but I like to (laughs) golf. I like it and it sucks, so I get it. (laughs) So I've got um, a a bucket list golf course in October all lined up where I'm going to take about 16 men there and we're going to play golf. We're going to talk about all of these things because I think a lot of times men just put their head down, they isolate themselves, and they just work harder. Mm-hmm. But what they really need to do is connect with other men. Yeah. So we're going to golf, and then we're going to do a NASCAR experience. I've, I'm connected with these amazing NASCAR. guys with Chip Ganassi Racing in North Carolina. So I'm actually going to take my crew, meet up with their crew. We're going to pit a race car, and then we're going to have some of them drive the race car. And then... Like uh, on the track, like, like real deal. track. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's... Wait,
1: screw the golfing. Everybody gets to <laughs> go yeah. and like do the whole pit stop.
0: You've got to. Then have to win. You've got to win the competition I'm going to put together. The winners are going to get a chance to do that. So we're going to golf. We're going to pit a race race car with their crew. We're going to get a chance to drive it. And we're just going to have a great time. Just guys hanging out, talking about all these things, connecting, getting some rhythm in life. And that's happening in October in North Carolina. Okay. I'm totally intending on going to that.
1: No, I'm not kidding. Like you said, you have 16 spots. You have 15. unless for some reason, my crazy schedule doesn't allow. I'm taking one of those spots because that sounds like the coolest freaking experience. Listen, I'm always looking for like-minded guys. I'm always looking for people that I can talk business around and be in life around and family around and be myself, right? Mm -hmm. So
0: just that alone, worth it.
1: NASCAR thing,
0: nail in the coffin. So there's only 15 spots left. Yeah, it'll be so much fun. That's so much business and masterminding happens on a golf course. Most people don't know that. You got four and a half hours with three other people to talk about life, talk about business, talk about investing. So if I can do the right job of getting the right guys in the right group, which I'm good at because I have discernment, a lot of magic can happen. So I'm super excited about that. That's freaking cool. Okay, I'm going. Wait,
1: wait, how do I go? Where do I, where can I sign up?
0: My website, Kyledepius.com forward slash experiences. Okay. And again, can't spell my last name, so I'm sure you could link it, but kyledepius.com forward slash experiences. That's so cool. Okay, we're putting in links. All right, here's a very last question. Okay.
1: Give me a reason why people should be unapologetic about their pursuit
0: of success the way you were when you paid off all that damn debt. I love this. This is so good, Chris. I think it comes down to this, and it's threefold, right? My family needs me to be that way. Other people benefit from it. And I would go as far to say, God requires me to do it.
1: Oh, dang, that's good. I love those three. Mm. That might be one of the best answers we've ever had to that question. <laughs> Thanks. <thing. laughs> Kyle, my friend, Like, thank you so much for yeah. being on, for talking vulnerably, vulnerably, easy for me to say, um, about your experience paying off debt, coming from ego, uh, mm-hmm. the The tough conversation you had with your wife i love you know I love that you 're a teacher at heart that you taught high school yep. teach, you know as a high school business because it came out in like when you were describing the four different ways to mm-hmm. to you know i forget what you called it but to get yourself in a better position and when you 're talking about the the systematic way to have the tough conversations it's, yep. you
0: were a true teacher at heart, and so
1: just yep. know how grateful I am for all the value that you added to everybody
0: here. Yeah, well, thanks. It's been an absolute, just a pleasure and a joy to be on. So I appreciate you, Chris.
1: Yeah, My pleasure. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous,